0: Thank you, you may take your seats. If you have your Bible with you, uh, you might want to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 9 down to verse 19. just had a, a word handed in this morning, a word from the Lord, which I want to just read to you. Very simple, but it says this, it is time... It is time to do what God wants. It is time to fulfill the call of God upon your life. It's time to go. It's time to go on what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. It's time to do what the Lord asks you to do. It is time. So, Father, we just hear those words and we pray that for whoever here needs to hear those, you will minister them into their heart and life through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Just before I read, can I make a couple of recommendations? Someone texted me this week and said um, that I had recommended some Bible commentaries. I did. They're written by someone called Phil Moore. Uh, Phil Moore is a fabulous writer. He's... um, got an incredible mind and ability to understand. They're very, very readable. They're called the Straight to the Heart series, um, and uh, they're just excellent. I know loads of people who are now reading them. Fillmore, Straight to the Heart series. There's one on, on, I think, every book of the Bible, almost. I think he's working on the last one. So if you want something to read as a daily reading that's a bit more than, say, My Daily Bread or whatever, these are really great. And if you want to study a little bit further, very, very accessible, but really, really good book. Really encourage you to get hold of one of those at least... And try it. Why not start with the Gospel of Mark or something like that? Then some of you might have some time off over Easter and you want some kind of light but profound reading. And I'm reading this book by a man called Sheridan Voicey, It's called The Making of Us. It's a book about um, a kind of pilgrimage, I guess, from Lindisfarne down to Durham. But it's excellent. It's beautifully written. And uh, it asks some powerful questions that they ask themselves on the journey between Lindisfarne and Durham. And I've been blessed by this book. I'm reading it as slowly um, as I can. And I, am, I wrote to the author, I said, I hope that they find another 100 miles on your journey that you didn't realize existed. So that you have to go back again and write about the next 100 miles. But I've really enjoyed that. So Sheridan Voicey, The Making of Us, really good book. Let's get back to the good book, and uh, we'll read from John chapter 12, verse 9. <coughs> Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel!' Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, "'Do not be afraid, daughter Zion!' See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people Because they had heard that he'd performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, "See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him." Well, welcome today on this Palm Sunday, this Sunday that marks the start of Easter week. Some people call it Holy Week. Others call it Passion Week. Whatever we call it, it's the beginning of a week of celebration, a week of joy for those of us who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time when hope rises again, when we remember the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem. We remember Good Friday and His. Terrible death on the cross for us. We remember Resurrection Sunday. And just in seven days' time, we will be celebrating those wonderful words of the angels at the tomb. He is not here. He is risen. Someone once said that because of Good Friday, you can look back and not be afraid. Because of Resurrection Sunday, you can look forward and not be afraid. Because of Ascension Sunday, you can look up. And not be afraid. And because of Pentecost Day, you can look in and not be afraid. I want to talk about this other day this morning, this Palm Sunday, this day of celebration. The Gospel passage we've read from John this morning has an account of that day, the day some 2,000 years ago when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, some experts estimate that there were close to 2 million people in and around Jerusalem at Passover time. 2 million people. Many stayed in Jerusalem, others in the villages that were outside. Some just camped in the open country because everybody wanted to be in Jerusalem at Passover time. They wanted to be part of what was going on there. And so as Jesus rides in, as we've read, there is this huge crowd. And they begin to recognize something about him. They see him riding on a donkey. And they do remarkable things. They take off their coats. Their cloak was probably the most valuable thing many of them owned. It kept them warm at night, kept the rain off them in the storms. But they take off their cloak in these moments and throw it on the ground, and a donkey rides over them. And they take off fronds of the palm trees and they wave them in the air in celebration. I don't have time to explain why, but that's a a powerful political statement that they are making just doing that. And they are ecstatic. Hope fills the air. And they shout from the bottom of their hearts, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Really powerful political words. Think about it for a moment if you're a Roman soldier. And a crowd of that size is telling you the King of Israel is coming. What about Caesar? Is this insurrection? Is it revolution? The cries were certainly revolutionary. And we know that these cries were what they called out because John keeps them in his record here in John chapter 12. They're words of triumph. They're words of hope. They're words of great joy. And we know that they're not random worship slogans thrown together in some generic worship song. Rather, their words were already very ancient, In fact, their words come from Psalm 118, which was written a thousand years before Jesus was even born. And in addition to those words, the actions that they were seeing before their eyes were prophesied about 516 years previously by the prophet Zechariah. God spoke through him to the nation of Israel. He said, look, be joyful, Israel. See, your king is coming to you, riding on a donkey, on the colt, on a colt, the foal of a donkey he was telling them their king God was saying your king and mine is coming into Jerusalem and for the crowds on this Palm Sunday that is exactly what they saw and so they cry out with words of joy from this psalm Psalm 118 they quote verse 25 and 26 Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the king of Israel But actually in verse 24, the previous verse, the context has been set for them. And I read it in a more modern version this morning. But you and I will be more familiar with these words. Verse 24 of Psalm 118 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And what this crowd are shouting and celebrating on this first Palm Sunday. It's not simply Hosanna or the King is coming. They've suddenly grasped what is going on. This, this Palm Sunday, this is the day that the Lord was speaking about. Here's the day. The King has come. Messiah has arrived in Jerusalem. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's get excited. Let's rejoice. Let's give thanks to God. Let's call on him to save us. And they were right. It was the day spoken about in Psalm 118. It was the day spoken about in uh, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. It was the day that the Lord has made. But we all know that the day didn't turn out like they hoped it would. We know From the Gospels and John tells us in this chapter, John chapter 12, that Jesus had enemies. And in John 10, sorry, John verse 10 of John 12, we learn that some of the chief priests want to kill Lazarus. Because Lazarus is a miraculous witness to the power of Jesus Christ to raise from death. Seems extraordinary to us. They want to kill him. There will always be people who want to destroy the evidence of what God is doing. There'll always be people, no matter what God is doing, they won't see that. They'll only see the thing that they can't see him doing, that they really want him to do. I've told you this story probably before. I'll call the man Bob, but we had a great Sunday here one, a few years ago, and um, 15 people stood and received Christ as Savior in the Sunday morning service. And then in the evening, Pastor Curry led the New Life Group, and... Uh, Six people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I went to see Bob the following day. And he said, what happened yesterday then? I said, Bob, it was a great day. Uh, We made a gospel appeal. Fifteen people stood. They just didn't put their hands up. They stood to publicly receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And in the evening, six people got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And Bob's face became angry. It was remarkable. And he banged his fist down on the table. And he said to me, yes, but did anyone get healed That's what I want to know. It just felt like whatever God was doing, it wasn't enough. It's possible to miss the miracle because God isn't doing what you think he should do. We need to be sensitive to what God is doing. And we know the story already. We're aware how the week played out, how Judas was persuaded to betray Jesus. Do you remember what we said at Christmas time, that word proskuneo in the Greek, how the wise men come to Jesus, and the Bible says they proskuneoed, they moved forward to kiss him. That's what the word meant, worship. They worshipped him. And here is Judas in the garden, and he moves forward to kiss Jesus. There is worship in his lips And there's betrayal in his heart. And he kisses Jesus. And Jesus is arrested and tried and then crucified. And we know also how darkness came over the land as he died. And it must have felt like a total disaster to the followers of Jesus. To some of those people who were in the crowd on that first Palm Sunday. Who'd waved their fronds and thrown their coats down and celebrated with all their might. It just seemed like hope had vanished. Maybe they whispered together in their homes, or out in the country, or in dark locked rooms in the city. Yes, that was the day that the Lord has made, but that's all in the past. Today is a totally different day. But when we get to John's description of the crucifixion, hope begins to rise in us again. John chapter 19 and in John 19, there are four places where hope really begins to rise for us. In John nineteen twenty four. John writes about the robe that Jesus wore, that they didn't tear, but that they cast lots for. And John says this, this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. Then he moves on, John chapter 28. He talks about the fact that Jesus says, I thirst, and they take to him On a stick, uh, a, a sponge with wine vinegar on it, and they put it near his lips. And John says this, they did so so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Then moving along into verse 37, sorry, verse 36, the soldiers come to finish Jesus' life by breaking his legs so he wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. And they come and they find that he's already dead. There's no need to break his legs. And John writes this, these things happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. And then he writes about the death of Jesus. And John notes this, as another scripture says, they will look on the one that they have pierced four times, John says, the scripture is being fulfilled. I suppose that Palm Sunday was bright and sunny. There were blue skies, maybe the odd white cloud. It was a happy day, birdsong, people shouting and worshipping. Jerusalem, the golden, looked golden in the sunshine. It was a day that the Lord had made, a day of fun and rejoicing. But Good Friday, Good Friday feels dark, abandoned, cruel, shattered by torture and death. Good Friday doesn't feel good at all. You see, speaking personally, I've often quoted the words of Psalm 118 on the first day of my holidays. I've pulled back the curtains on a sunny view, seen maybe a beach or the countryside, and I haven't got any, no one's going to ring me, nothing personal, but no one's going to ring me. And I think, hallelujah, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or maybe you've had a good day at work at the office. You come home and you say to your family, wow, this is a day the Lord has made. Sun's shining, everything's going well. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. But John is telling us something very powerful about Friday. You see, even on Good Friday, the scriptures are being fulfilled all over again. On Good Friday... God's prophetic word is coming true. On Good Friday, ancient words are springing into life once again. And here's the amazing truth that we will celebrate next week. John is telling us that Good Friday is also the day that the Lord has made. Of course, they couldn't see it. We wouldn't have seen it if we'd been them, but if they had been able to see it, maybe, just maybe, in the midst of everything they went through, they would have been able to sing quietly under the breath. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And maybe, even if they'd understood in their pain, though I doubt it, but maybe, maybe... In the horror and trauma and terror of Calvary, they might still have stood beneath the cross, though I doubt it, and whispered to themselves, it's going to be okay. God's going to work something out. This is the day the Lord has made. Listen, there were no accidents on that first Palm Sunday. Nothing went wrong. There were no accidents in the events of the week we call Easter week. There were no accidents in the plans of the authorities. There was no out-of-control disaster at Calvary. It was God fulfilling his word. It was God expressing his love for you and for me. It was, in the words of Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God, in Christ, reconciling us to himself. So even on Good Friday, we can sing, This is the day that the Lord has made. And though it's painful even to think about it, we can rejoice for what happened at Calvary. I realize that today, for some of you here, it might feel a lot more like Good Friday than it does Palm Sunday. I realize that some of you here might have no desire whatsoever to wave a palm frond or to celebrate But a lot of darkness is in what you face right now. Permit me to quote from Sheridan Voicey in this book. He describes in times in his own life when he heard news that was devastating for him and for his wife. They wondered what the future could possibly hold for them. And looking back on that time, he says this, I see something now that I hadn't seen before. When all I felt was confusion, I was still being led. When I couldn't hear his voice, I was still in his hands. And that might be some of you this morning. You're thinking, it's confusing. I don't know why this has happened. I don't know where this is going. I don't know, God, why you've allowed this into my life. I want to encourage you this morning. That truth is truth for you. In your confusion You are still being led. And though you may not hear his voice, let me assure you on the strength of the words of Jesus himself, none can pluck you from his hands. You are still in his hands. Good Friday was a dark day, but it was also a day that the Lord has made. And today, this day, this Palm Sunday in 2019, this is still a day that the Lord has made. Don't despair. Don't give up. He will keep his promise for you. He will bring you through. So, back to John chapter 12. And there's more hope that comes. In John 12, you read two things that are said about Lazarus. John 9, sorry, John 12 verse 9 tells us, that the crowds came to see Jesus, sorry, Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And then verse 17 tells us that the crowds who were with him when he raised Lazarus continued to spread the word that Jesus had raised Lazarus from death. Twice, John tells us that Jesus has already conquered death in the life of his friend. It's good news, isn't it? He's already conquered death in the life of his friend, Lazarus. And I think John's building the story. He's preparing us for what's to come. And of course, from our vantage point, we know what to come. Luke, in his gospel record, tells us of the women who run to the tomb that first Easter Sunday. They're carrying with them the boxes of spices and things that they're going to continue to embalm the body with they are full of confusion. Who's going to roll away the stone from the tomb? Will they meet any opposition? Will they be interfered with? Will there be anyone there to help them? What has been going on this past weekend? I imagine that dawn is breaking, sun's coming out. The only sound is probably the birds singing and the flip of their sandals on the road as they make the journey. And yet when they arrive, somehow the tomb has been opened. The stone rolled away. And while they're still wondering what has happened on this morning, two angelic beings stand beside them. And Luke says that in fright, the women bowed their faces to the ground. And I love the words that the angels speak. They ask a question. They say, why are you looking for the living in the place of the dead? Why are you looking for the living in the place of the dead? Can I challenge you this morning? Some of you might be on a course of action. It's been tough being a Christian recently. And you've got an option to do something which you know is not God's will for your life or for your future. But in your frustration, you're really seriously considering maybe a relationship you shouldn't be in. Someone at work or someone that you know. Someone you've met through a friend. Very appealing. Life is tough right now. It would be the easiest thing in the world to step out of that. These words are for you. Why are you looking for the living in the place of the dead? That relationship will ruin your life. Break up your family. Cost you. Maybe other things you're looking for. We have a very good friend. Uh, She's a fine lady. I'm not judging her in any way. But she runs a Catholic bookshop and gift shop. And uh, they sell all kinds of things. Forgive me, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just being honest. If you need me to apologize to you, I'll apologize afterwards. But they sell all sorts of things that are not necessary to be a Christian follower of Jesus. Rosary beads, statues of St. Francis or the Pope. All kinds of things which may be nice for some people to have, but they mean very little in terms of following Jesus. But you know what started to sell in those shops more than anything else? Crystals. People read the blurb, this is a crystal that will give you peace. This is a crystal that will give you protection over your family. This is a crystal that will prosper you. Bits of rock, ladies and gentlemen. It's paganism. People look for the living in the place of the dead. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill And to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the full. There is someone in whom you can find life and eternal life. His name is Jesus. And I love the words those angels speak at the tomb. They say, They say, don't look for the living in the place of the dead. And then they add these words that we're going to jump up in the air and celebrate with next year. They say, he is not here. He is risen. Don't you remember, the angels say, that he told you this? while you were with him in Galilee. In other words, it's resurrection day today. You came here in sadness. You came here in fear. You came here not knowing what the future holds. But listen, Jesus told you that this day was coming. So don't be sad. This too is a day that the Lord has made and you may rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the King of Israel, because Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter Day are all days that the Lord has made. I love Easter because it's full of meaning for those of us who are Jesus' followers. It speaks of hope that God has come into the world to experience our pain and our suffering, because God has sent Jesus, God the Son and Son of God, to lead us into his kingdom. It speaks of forgiveness, because at the cost, Christ died for your sin and for mine. He took a punishment that we should have taken in order that we don't have to. And it speaks of hope for the future, because Jesus is alive today, and he will be forever. And for those that know him, there is another day that the Lord has made coming, when we will see him face to face. And it may seem dark for you today. You may feel like the disciples on Good Friday or through Easter Saturday. You may feel like those who stood under the cross. You may feel like they might have done, that the dream you had for your life has gone. And I don't say this lightly, but someone once said, perhaps a greater tragedy than a broken dream is a life defined by that broken dream. Perhaps a greater tragedy than a broken dream is a life defined by that broken dream. I want to encourage you this morning. You don't have to live in the shattered remains of your broken dream. But there is a savior who wants to give you a hope and a future. Friends, however it seems now, Christ died in order... That God could give us a hope and a future. And as we enter this Easter week, I want to encourage you to pick up your palm branch. It might be very difficult. It might be painful. It might be hard. Emotionally, it might be the most difficult thing that you've ever done. But I want to encourage you to begin to lift up the palm branch and begin again to worship. I want to encourage you to take off your cloak. Throw it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And begin, however hard it might be, to declare from your heart, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Someone once said, because of Good Friday, you can look back and not be afraid. Because of Easter Sunday, you can look ahead and not be afraid. Because of Ascension Day, you can look up and not be afraid. And because of Pentecost, you can look in and not be afraid because they are all days that the Lord has made, and we can be glad and rejoice in them. Can I tell you, this is a day the Lord has made today. This is a day the Lord has made, and because He will never leave you nor forsake you, we can be glad even in this day. And there is that other day coming when we'll see Him face to face. It's promised. It's written in his words. The date is set in the heavenly realm. Satan has been defeated. We are on the winning side. Jesus is coming back again. There will be another triumphal entry. And on that day, there won't be any need for the stones to cry out. We'll rejoice. We'll sing hallelujah. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of God of Israel. So may the Lord bless you as you enter this Easter week. May you celebrate with him. Wave your palm leaves high. Throw your coats on the floor, even if your mum tells you not to. And rejoice. Jesus is king. And next week we'll talk more about the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and worship him together. If you need prayer, there's um, prayer folk at the back there who can... uh, I'm not quite sure who's on the microphone this morning, I don't know who's around there, but we'll find a way of signalling if the Lord speaks to you this morning, but do go get prayer, let's believe for God to break through, But, but let's rejoice in who God is. Blessed is the King of Israel, Alex and the team, let's lead us in worship and thanksgiving.